0: Near-Death Experience Podcast, item number 392, June 15th, 2022, the NDE of Roger C. Welcome back to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official podcast and source of audio counts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, NDERF. I'm your host, John Messer. Chaz reads the third of the Patreon episodes. In this one, Roger has an amazing experience that gives insight into life on other planets. This corroborates what Eben Alexander said in his book, Proof of Heaven, when he states he saw life forms during his NDE that were not human and they were way smarter than humans. Chaz reads from the NDERF website.
1: Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, Patreon edition, episode number three. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side. And just as a reminder, you can get your free copy of that uh, book by going down these posts and uh, getting that, uh, downloading the ebook in the very first post. So do that if you haven't, if you're interested in reading the book. Okay, today we're going to share an experience that, uh, I'll be honest, and I think I shared one like this last time, that I was skeptical about, but, uh, it was so interesting that I couldn't not share it today. (laughs) It's, it's actually quite cool, actually. It's, uh, it's from enderf.org. It's, uh, Roger, and he shares an experience that, uh, kind of takes this, uh, Visiting of other planets to a new level. And, well, we'll talk about it more afterward. But uh, let's go ahead and dive into it. Roger says, My experience is so special that I don't know where to start. It would take hundreds of pages like this one here. I'll try to explain it in a very, very condensed way. First, things started to happen a couple of months ago, or a couple of months before the accident seeing dead persons, hearing voices just as I would go to bed and relaxing, but not sleeping yet. It would take many pages here to explain this portion. So I'll go straight and straight to the accident day. September 3rd, 1990 at 315 local time. Coming back from Quebec city. My friend was driving my car at a certain point. She lost control of it and we got involved in a head-on collision with another vehicle. At that moment, I was projected from my body right away and was looking at my friend and my body outside the car. I noticed there was a little fire in the engine area, but nothing too severe at the time. Both of us were not moving and appeared to be dead. She, her spirit, wasn't around me except for her body. I remember wanting to tell my parents and friends about the accident at at that moment and that my life was over to say goodbye. Immediately, I was in front of them. It was now daytime and another day, too. I noticed I could travel into time. My friends and and parents were not able to see nor hear me. From that point, I thought there was something else waiting for me instead of visiting the living as I was dead. I just let myself go. And in my case, there was no tunnel, as I remember from reading some near-death experience stories in the past. I was even waiting for a tunnel, but none. I went into a dark place with nothing around me, but I wasn't scared. It was really peaceful there. And then, I then began to see my whole life unfolding before me as if a film being projected on a screen, from babyhood to adult life. It was so real. I was looking at myself, but better than a 3D movie, as I was capable of sensing the feelings of the persons I had interacted with through the years. I could feel the good and bad emotions I made Or, I I made them go through. I was also capable of seeing that the better I made them feel, and the better the emotions they had because of me, would give me some credits, karma, and that the bad ones would take some of it back, just like in a bank account. But here it was like a karma account, to my knowledge. The more points, karma I got would give me permission to access a better area or a better place somewhere. It was the knowledge I had then. At the end of the film, Life Presentation, everything went black for a while, almost like in a real movie before they turn on the light. I then understood through this knowledge that I deserved a place in what we call heaven without knowing what it would be like or what is heaven. I felt a wonderful feeling of peace, which became stronger and stronger. Such a nice feeling. In the darkness, I began to see a light in the distance ahead of me. I was attracted to it, but I remember thinking that I could also go away from it or even go back. No way, I said to myself. I came closer and closer to it. The feeling of great peace became so strong, so good. In real life, I am the type of person who likes to go into details to see how things work. I didn't want to go too fast and wanted to understand what was going on here. I then got into orbit, that's the best terms to describe it, around the light. It was like a cone of light I heard these words, peace, joy, happiness, love, eternity, while I was in orbit around this great, really huge cone of light. I remember that those five words as a whole became the the only important thing in the universe for me, and I had to get rid of everything else in order to enter into the light. Here, I'll skip some details too long. The feeling of peace was replaced with a feeling of love. I remembered that something was preventing me from entering the light at that moment, and after having analyzed it, I realized that it was grudges I kept towards a few persons. I had to forgive them in order to purify myself from all negative thoughts I could have had toward them. Now that I had the permission to enter the light, I could almost touch it, wanted to enter it, but I was holding back in order to see more details before actually entering the light. Now remember also that I was at the bottom of the light cone. After a certain time, I let myself go and bang, just like an explosion of love, the feeling I had before getting into the light was great, but still a feeling I could explain with human words. But inside, no way. No words can explain that feeling, except I thought I would die because these feelings of love were so strong. I was amazed I could still think like I did on earth. And at that point, I started to laugh as I thought, how can I Die as I'm already dead. So bring on all the love you can, I said, because I knew the light or intelligence in it could understand me. I thought at that point there was nothing better, and it might be dangerous to increase the love sensation, as it was already far better and stronger than any expectation of heaven I ever had. As I mentioned, yes, more love, please the sensation of great love grew even stronger, and I noticed there were different levels in the light. I've noticed at that point I had a complete knowledge of the universe available to me, and I simply had to ask to know. How great, I thought. My first question, is there life elsewhere? I guess you know the answer to that. If you don't, it's a big yes. My second question Are there many planets that have more superior life forms than we have on Earth? The answer is thousands of planets having a higher evolution than you know on Earth. My third question Are there many planets with a lower evolution than Earth? Yes, thousands too. My fourth question. Can I see what it looks like on a planet with a higher evolution? Yes, here you are. In an instant, I was there on another planet. I was able to see my body there. I can't see my body in the light. I'm in the presence of people, and I am able to talk to them. How great, I thought. They were amazed to see me in front of them. I was in some sort of city with a flat ground there were buildings with no windows nor doors just like big boxes they had a special way to enter them but I wasn't very imp- but it wasn't very important for me to know it we weren't communicating with voice but through the minds telepathic I was able to understand each word in French to me and while I was talking I know I was using another language with them This was all done automatically. They were asking me where I came from or where I come from. They wanted to see in my mind the stars I could see from my planet. The result was good. They were also asking me where on earth I was born. What is the area I like to see and what I like to do on earth? I told them I was born in a village called Kaplan, and that I like scuba diving in Port Daniel and Newport, Quebec. They wanted to see it in my mind, what it looks like, uh, and a map of those areas. They asked me to show them if I wanted to. The result, again, was good, as I was capable of mentally showing them the map. They asked me where I was taking the energy to survive. I knew right away that they were talking about food in a strange way. I told them about the plants that we eat on Earth, and then they said, Are you also eating what used to be alive? I said, Yes. They told me, We knew there were primitive civilizations, but not as bad as that. They were really surprised that someone coming from such a primitive world could meet them on their own planet. I asked the one kind of in charge or representing the group, where do you take your energy here to survive? They said, we take it from the cosmic power as you do, but directly instead of going through natural interfaces as you do. I also asked, do you sometimes travel to other worlds? The same one said, yes, we do, and showed me a spaceship. Almost like an airplane, but without wings. I asked them, What kind of energy are you using to travel so far? He said, We are using a gravity generator to get almost unlimited speed. I talked about the problems we had on Earth with great acceleration due to the gravity forces involved. He said, Our gravity generator affects the entire spaceship, including people on board, so there's no gravity force at all affecting passengers or crew. I remember, by the way, that physically speaking, they were shorter than us and walked slowly compared to us. Also, they didn't have any hair. They had a strange uniform, which molded to their skin as if it were part of them. It was hard to tell where it began and ended. "'They told me, "'We might go to see your planet sometime in the near future, "'but it is very far from here.' "'I said, "'No problems, but be careful.' "'I said goodbye and thanked them for the information, etc. "'I went away from them, "'and at night I took the time to look at the stars. "'It was nothing like on Earth, "'and there wasn't any moon also, "'but the sky was beautiful.' with lots of stars. A few years later, some local people, including a couple of policemen, saw a UFO in Kaplan, Port Daniel, and Newport, all on that same night. The same description at the same time in different villages. It has been reported, too, in the local newspaper. It has been described as something that looked somewhat like the, the Concord plane, without wings, but made no noise not a sound in the air, and was seen only a few feet from the ground and not moving for a while. At that time, I was living in Montreal, more than 500 miles away from there. Getting back to my story, after looking at the stars from that planet, I decided to go back to my origin and the origin of everything, the light. What a fantastic trip, I thought when I think about humans having a hard time to reach the moon and back, to me now, going to the moon was as simple as crossing the street. And going to a planet about a 100 light years away was as simple as going to the next village. I also asked, while being in the knowledge level of the light, can I see less evolved planets? Yes, here you are. There were some primitive Cavemen, full of hair, chasing strange animals, big ones. I tried to communicate with them, but with no results. They couldn't see me nor hear me. I wasn't too interested there, so I've decided to go back to the light. I learned while I was back that we could not interfere with primitive worlds, and it's the main reason there's a great distance in between planets to act as a buffer, preventing us from reaching their world as it could be very dangerous to their evolution, since they must go through theirs by themselves, as we need to ourselves. In the next life, we humans will be incarnated to, on another more evolved planet because there's a minimum and a maximum evolution permitted on Earth. And past that point, the most evolved and intelligent person on Earth will be less evolved than the most primitive person on a more advanced world. I thought about asking some questions regarding the Earth. Life will last until what human years as we calculate it now? Answer: 3,587. What will happen then? See for yourself. I saw something real big coming as a comet or an asteroid. Humans were still here on Earth will be, I should say, there was total panic on earth because scientists will know it's the end of all life on this planet because of, and because of that, they will not be able to see it long enough to advance to avoid it. I took some time here and there in the nearest future. I wasn't able to bring back exact years nor time as it could affect what should happen for our own evolution. I know as I told my story to some people after 1990, the year of the accident, that there will be many conflicts involving the USA. And I remember that it will start right in New York City in a few years from now, being 1990. I had no information that it would be the World Trade Center and what year exactly, but was sure it was New York City and that all the people of Earth would be aware of what ha- what would happen. It's now part of the past 9-11. After that, the East Coast mainly will be affected. There was a major city in the North Central State that would be affected. Almost nothing on the West Coast would be affected. Because of that, as I am sure of it, I'll never live or I'll never move to a major city on the East Coast, even if some company were to entice me with a very good six-figure salary to begin with. I remember... I had all the dates and exact times of every event in that city. I said to myself, now that I'm dead, I can't change anything anyway. I went to the end of the conflict, even more frightening. Because of the conflict with different countries and less investment in space research and NASA, no one can see something happening and approaching Earth. Some small asteroid, but big enough to cause substantial damage on earth. The good news in all this is that because of this event, all nations will stop all their conflicts and try to work together instead of fighting each other. But it will be too late to avoid what could have been avoided. Starting from that point, the different nations will realize the stupidity of war and will work together for many years to come. There will be, finally, peace on earth but millions of lives lost which could have been avoided i now or i know this is not too far away in time getting back to some more positive things i went to a higher level in the light so wonderful so much love this is higher than the level of knowledge the level of creation, as I call it. Everything becomes possible. Creating physical things and sharing the creation level with God? Yes, I know. It's hard to believe. I didn't want to come back here to earth because I had come from a place of infinite love and beauty. But nonetheless, I had underestimated the infinite power of the light and at that instant I formulated a wish that I'd like to return to earth in order to share this knowledge with as many people as possible. What I didn't know was that a wish formulated at this level in the light becomes reality. Upon formulating this wish, I saw myself pulled toward the bottom of the light cone and I slowly found myself outside of it. I suddenly realized I could see my body once more. It's then that I saw my friend. She was coming toward me and the light behind me. She was dressed completely in white, like a bride, not walking, but as though floating. I had the impression that I was on my friend's path as she was slowly moving toward me. I was going to bump into her and instinctively raised my arms to prevent this. She did the same, as we came closer together, our hands touched, and I was astonished at the flashes and sparks of light emanating from them. As the members of our bodies fused together, it's when our brains fused that we could read each other's thoughts perfectly without any possibility of error. This was despite the tremendous speed at which this took place. It's here that I made that I made her realize that we're not using speech but telepathy and want to make a test. I want to see if at this point we can still use speech. I began to talk and realized that I was using her expressions and vocabulary while conversing, but that this was taking way too long and we were returning to our new way of communication so much faster and with feelings also. She was explaining to me that she would be staying in the light and that her time on earth was over. She knew that I, however, was returning to earth and would never forget this experience as it was much better than what we had known physically. The feelings of love were growing weaker and weaker and I could now see the wider scope of everything on earth wars, greed, anger, racism, etc. As I was getting closer and closer, I was very much saddened by it all. Suddenly, I was back in the car, flames leaping all around. I turned and saw my friend's body, and knew beyond doubt she no longer inhabited it. The light gave me just enough time to exit the vehicle before the flames would reach me. An autopsy was performed on my friend— and it concluded that she died before the flame, before the flames got her. My healing process was nothing short of miraculous, despite the many broken bones. The attending physician was stupefied by my progress. I have returned with a few paranormal talents and some gifts. That is the end of Roger's experience. And wow, what an experience. Can you believe that? I have to admit, like I said... I was skeptical of it at first because, I mean, it's not that I don't think there is life on other planets, and, and I do uh, totally uh, believe that many people in dying get to visit those planets, but, I mean, the the idea of communicating with them as a dead, spirit, well, as a spirit who had left this earth and being able to go and communicate with them um, in this sort of in-between state of... Of having come just from Earth, straight from Earth to death and straight over to this planet to discuss with them, you know, some things about energy and about you know space travel and things like that. It's it. It sounds very Star Trek to me, I guess you could say. Which, just being able to relate it to science fiction, shouldn't be a deterrent to it being a fact or a real thing. It's just you know, I'm so used to uh, science fiction being. Science fiction, and so hearing something being proclaimed as being a fact um, that sounds very science fiction, I uh, tend to get skeptical of things like that. And yet, I'm very interested in space travel and, and life on other planets and so forth. And so, you know, I anyway, it, I find it interesting. But the other things that go on in the experience make me think, you know, it's totally plausible, everything else is completely in line with what um, other people have said. Now, I recognize that people could make up experiences, submit them to enderf.org, and, you know, make a great show of, of an experience that, you know, that they invented. It's, it's certainly possible to do that. But I just don't see sufficient reason to completely, you know, uh, turn away from this experience or suggest that it's not real. So I do believe it. I I uh, do think that it would be folly to take everything that he says at face value. For example, you know, when, I mean, the the people from this other planet, you know, talking about how they don't eat food that is, you know, from a natural source anymore, but rather... Um, take it directly from the cosmic power. Uh, I mean, there. You know, what does that mean? I mean, they just absorb it in sunlight and starlight. I mean, you know. I of course we. You know, there's not much we can get out of that as far as as far as uh, scientifically what we can grasp from that. But it, it's interesting that these beings find us so incredibly primitive to be eating other life forms. I mean, really, I, I didn't know anybody was as bad as that, you know, still, is kind of the way they put it, kind of interesting. And then, of course, you have the little UFO incident that they. he says that, it, you know, it, uh, what, six months or was it a year or something later, five years later, I can't remember what he said, um, there was a UFO sighting that looked like the description that he had for, you know, this this um wingless plane, um, flying over. So they're coming to check it out, apparently. Maybe so, maybe not. I don't know, you know, and, and I mean, you have to ask yourself, and again, you know, when you've got a people that are absorbing their food straight from its, you know, whatever, from the air or whatever, uh, you have to assume that they also have technology to be able to travel fast enough to, or, whatever, um, to be able to arrive in some reasonable time because, as they said, some gravity generator things that they developed made them be able to go practically infinite speed. I mean, what is that? It sounds so Star Trek, you know? <laughs> but but very interesting. If it is a fact and if there really is people out there like that, that's so cool, you know? If it's not, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> but, uh very interesting. There are other things that he talks about, and if if you're one who believes in reincarnation, it's kind of interesting what he says about um, how those who leave this earth or die on this earth will incarnate in a more evolved place. Let's see if I can find, let's see, in the next life we humans will be incarnated on another more evolved planet, because there's a minimum and a maximum evolution permitted on Earth. And, vast, or, and past that point, the most evolved and intelligent person on Earth will be less evolved than the most primitive person or more advanced uh, on a more advanced world. Okay, I think I didn't understand that properly before. It almost sounded like it was it was some kind of weird cycle thing, but I think what he's saying is that the most advanced person possible on Earth is still less than the least advanced person would be on that more advanced world. Now, let me give another uh, uh, possibility, possible explanation for this description. And from what I can see, I see no, no way of or no reason to uh, say that this is impractical or an in, impossibility. But you know, the idea of of resurrection, you know, the the idea of of instead of, you know, reincarnating into another mortal body where you will eventually die there too and suffer and, and all that, like we do on earth, but maybe in a more evolved way or whatever, um, can be, we can, we could take the idea of, of resurrection coming back with a perfect immortal body, physical mortal body, uh, immortal body, sorry, physical immortal body and being able to evolve there and that seems to kind of fit. Let me, I'd like just thinking of that, I'd like to read that paragraph again. He said, I learned while I was back. I assume back at the light again. I learned while I was back that we could not interfere with primitive worlds. And it's the main reason that there's a great distance in between planets to act as a buffer, preventing us from reaching their world, as it could be very dangerous to their evolution since they must go through theirs by themselves as we need to ourselves. Okay, that's the very Star Trek, you know, prime directive, don't interfere with... Anyway, (laughs) but here's, here's the part that we're talking about. In a next life, we humans will be incarnated on another more evolved planet because there's a minimum and a maximum evolution permitted on Earth. And past that point, the most evolved and intelligent person on Earth will be less evolved than the most primitive person on a more advanced world. So, if, you know, and I'm throwing this out there, I'm not saying this is what he's saying or that I have evidence from, you know, numerous experiences or anything. This is just throwing this idea out there. But maybe it's suggesting that when, after death, we as humans will go on, resurrect, and live on a world that is more evolved than even the highest aspect of this world can be. There's a cap, he says, on on this world's evolution, on Earth's evolution as it is now. There's a maximum that we can reach. And past that point, um we can't go while in this mortal life. But in the next life, even the least evolved people in that next life will be way beyond what the most evolved people are on Earth now. I think that's cool. And it's an interesting idea. So... um and then he goes on, and again, this is this is something I'm skeptical in terms of, of the uh, prophetic timing, if you will, of of this. He he asks, basically, he says, when is when is life on Earth going to end in in the years as we, um, as we track them now, in in you know year 2000, year you know uh, 2018, and so forth, um, that kind of year. What year will the world end, or. Um, when will life on Earth, and well, he says life will last until what human years, as we calculate it now? And the answer being three thousand five hundred eighty-seven. That would put it approximately fifty eight or thirty, sorry, fifteen hundred years in the future. Now that sounds like a long way away, as as uh, calendaring goes in modern, according to modern technology and so forth. You think of how far we've come in the last hundred fifty years, you know. That sounds like a long time, but 1,500 years, that's only as far back as, you know, the destruction of Jerusalem uh, by Babylon and so forth. I mean, that's that's not far in the past, you know, um, or in the, in the future. But, again, this is a prophecy of the great distant future. This, I would read to be a potential time when the earth will, you know, life on earth in human years will end um on the earth and whether that means life as we know it or whether it will jump to some other level of evolution at that point or whether that will be you know second coming of christ or whatever we don't know obviously we we just don't know um but uh interesting or whether that's the end of the world you know the burning and whatever <laughs> But uh, again, uh, since it's a prophetic thing, I don't put too much stock in the numbers. Because um, so much of those things, it just depends on, on what we do and what choices we make. Kind of these ideas, if you don't fix your ways, is what's going to happen and so forth. So, um, And he even says, I wasn't clear on the days and times. And yet later says, I remember I had all the dates and exact times of every incident or every event in each city. I'm not sure what to make of that. It's like, I'm wondering if he had the times and exact dates in that realm, but when he came back, they were all wiped away. Like, you know, to the point where he just doesn't know when they're supposed to happen. He'd seen, um, you know, a breakdown of some things that would start in New York. And then, you know, 11 years later, you have 9-11 happen with the Twin Towers falling. And, you know, from what he said, there would be more things happening on the east coast that the west coast was the place to be <laughs> and grateful being in the west i it's not i'm not west coast but uh being in utah i'm you know kind of <laughs> but we do feel like we have a pretty safe area we're very rural and and we like to think of ourselves as a place of refuge if times get rough elsewhere so you know place to come if things get rough elsewhere. Anyway, <laughs> so he talks a little bit more about some of those things. Then he talks more about uh, about evolution on a spiritual level that sounds very interesting to me. He says, I went to a higher level into the light. So wonderful. So much love. This is higher than the level of knowledge, the level of creation, as I call it. Now, this is interesting, the idea of there being something above knowledge. Now, you know, we in our intellectual society kind of think of, of if you had all knowledge, you would be like the greatest being possible or whatever. You know, you could you could do anything and whatever as if knowledge was the greatest thing. But but according to this, what he's saying is sounds like there are levels above knowledge this is a this is higher than the level of knowledge and he calls it the level of creation and he says everything becomes possible creating physical things and sharing the creation level with god he says yes i know it's hard to believe and uh and i, I rather than hard to believe it, i find it just hard to understand i don't know what to make of it but we might get a sample of it when he says that in the moment when he was in a certain level of the light, every thought that he would have would come to pass. So when he had the thought of returning in order to make the information that he has known, the moment that thought was formulated, as it was formulating, it was coming to pass. It was like thinking it would create it, and um, and so it's it's kind of an infinite improvisation of creation, if you want to put it that way, I, uh, you might say. Um, he, he says, I didn't want to come back here to earth because I had, because I had come from a place of infinite love and beauty, but nonetheless, I had underestimated the infinite power of the light. And at that instant, I formulated a wish that I'd like to return to earth in order to share this knowledge with as many people as possible. What I didn't know was that a wish formulated at this level in the light becomes reality. A thought becomes reality. You can't think something without it happening. Whew. I mean, just, that's incredible, incredible. It says, upon formulating this wish, I saw myself pulled toward the bottom of the light cone and I slowly found myself outside of it. I suddenly realized I could see my body once more. It's then that I saw my friend and goes on to talk about, you know... Oh, no, actually, he's not back to his body yet. But he sees his friend who had been unconscious on... You know, it's like when, at the moment of death, he leaves... And his friend is still unconscious, dying, apparently. I would guess. I mean, time is kind of flux, whatever, on the other side. So maybe... You know, there may be more to it than that, but but that's what it sounds like. She's about to die. He has died. He goes on to the light, has all this experience, and now he's on his way back and she is on her way up. And as they're coming toward each other, they realize they're going to slam into each other. And so they put out their hands of, whoa, 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 you know, <laughs> almost like, here we go. We're going to run into each other. And uh, he says, I was going to bump into her and Instinctively raised my arms to prevent this. She did the same. As we drew closer, our hands touched. And I was astonished at the flashes and sparks of light emanating from them. There's something about the connecting of two spirits. Uh, I'd say physically connecting, but spiritually connecting. Um, And as the members of our bodies fused together, it's when our brains fused that we could read each other's thoughts perfectly without any possibility of error. Now I gather I don't know, but this sounds like in that moment they merged. They merged. It's here that I made her realize that we're not using speech. He's he's communicating with her instantly, just like, poof. and then <laughs> in this moment I gather that they're passing through each other. I don't know because he says that their hands connected, so maybe maybe they're connecting. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Is spiritual connecting? A form of merging and and being more physical than physical, or is it that uh, that they are connecting in a physical sensation sort of way, um, and also in a spiritual sort of way? I don't know, but it sounds like they're fusing together um, into each other, and and, you know while they're passing through each other, it almost sounds like they're passing through each other. But as they do, you know that connection, the hands. Connecting, they begin to have you know these flashes and sparks of light coming from them them as if two people merging together is more than the component of the two individuals alone, and so they become something bigger and brighter, and so as they're passing through each other this these light sparks and so forth are are happening, and they're They're able to sense and read each other's thoughts and feelings and experiences. Probably able to see each other's memories if they choose to. And they're passing through each other. Remember, they're rushing toward each other fast enough that they're afraid that they're going to slime into each other. You know, probably... um, reminiscent of their experience on earth where if you're coming towards somebody fast you got to hold out your arm so you don't slam into them and and hurt each other and and so they they're apparently passing that fast and if they are just passing through each other in just that blink of what it would be if two people were running at each other let's just say um, and uh, and they pass through each other that quick it's in that time that they communicate and they say, hey, let's try something. (laughs) Okay. And this is this whole time compression thing and the speed of thought and so forth that takes place on the other side. Let's try something. I want to make a test. Let's see if we can still use speech. And so he begins to talk and realizes that when he's talking in this state, he's talking using her inflections, her, uh, her way of, of explaining things. It's like, it's like he's half her. It's his idea to talk this way. And, uh, but, uh, but he's using her. Let's see if I can find the spot. Okay. I began to talk and realized that I was using her expressions and vocabulary while conversing. But that this was taking way too long, and we returned to our new way of communication. So they tried in that moment of, you know, to actually talk using speech, and he's able to do it a little bit, and he finds that he's using her expressions and vocabulary, and yet it's so slow. That they return to their new way of communicating, which is so much faster, and and so, with so much more feeling also. And they have this communic—I mean, they have this conversation uh, where they're talking about, you know, she's planning on moving on to the light, he's planning on returning, and so forth. And and this conversation uh, takes place, and as he and then he passes through her and continues on, and as he's approaching the earth. He can see the Earth in it in a wider scope, and this broader scope is a scope that includes the wars and greed and anger and racism uh, that is part of the Earth consciousness or or the human consciousness on earth, I should say, um, and he's deeply saddened by it, deeply saddened by it, and the next thing he you knows he's there in his car with the flames around, he's able to get out before. Um, the flames reach him, but uh, and that's the end of the experience. But, oh, so interesting, isn't it? Isn't it? I, it? It just, there's there's so much in this. And the little discussion about karma, it's almost like credits of karma. And I've heard discussion from some of these people and, and from others analyzing near-death experiences. Uh, karma seems to be a thing and yet the atonement of jesus christ also seems to be a thing and it's almost as if it sounds like if you don't use the atonement of jesus christ to pay for your karma if you will then you have to use you have to pay for it yourself and uh and he's already paid for it it's like he's put these these uh points down these uh, these uh karma uh uh dollars down on the table and said, here they are. I've paid for your um, mistakes, your karma, your problems, and then walks out of the room. And you can either choose to fork out the money also, or you can choose to use that gift that he has. If you don't use it, it sits on the table for eternity and never gets used. He's already paid for it. And that's kind of the impression that I'm getting as it comes to karma. Karma is very real. And what you don't choose to turn over to God will come back to you in some way. It has to. That's just the way it works. And, you know, we use the word judgment in Christian spheres generally, but I think karma and judgment, looking at them both and and I don't want to say merging them into one thing, but taking the most, um, the most spiritual aspects of each, of karma and of judgment. And taking those two together, you kind of get a little bit of a glimpse of what seems to be what is taking place on the other side as far as judgment and karma are concerned. And so, you know, it it just reflects to me how important Jesus Christ is in this infinite plan for humanity. So, anyway, um, very interesting experience. I love it. And uh, if you would like to share your experience, if you have thoughts or feelings or comments that you'd like to make about any of these experiences, please email the podcast. Let me know uh, neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com or call 970 NDEcast. And you know, you guys are the lifeblood. I've said it before the lifeblood of the podcast because. You're the ones that are actually willing to pitch in financially and make it uh, financially worth my while to be able to keep doing this. And so I, I just don't even know how to thank you enough. I wish I could put out 10 new episodes a week just to say thank you. If I had the time to do that, I would. And, but I'm just deeply appreciative for your listening, for your support, and for your patronage. So thank you, all of you, so much.